0: commercial real estate challenges. For 160 years, companies around the world have trusted Savills for expert guidance and perfect workspace solutions. See what Savills can do for you at Savills.us.
3: Hello, everyone, and welcome to the October 1st, 2018 edition of the Fantasy Football Report, a Rotoviz radio news show covering the serious and mocking the ridiculous NFL news of the last week, brought to you by SquadQL and Fantasy Math. I'm Blair Andrews. You can follow me on Twitter at Blair and my co-host is Hassan Rahim, who you can follow at HRR5010. Hassan, how's it going?
2: It's going fantastic, Blair. Uh, Week four is uh, close to being in the books. You know, it's going to be October. It's my favorite month. Best time of year.
3: Cool, yeah. I'm um, happy to hear it's going fantastic for you. Somewhat less than fantastic for me. A lot of guys I was really high on in the preseason played well, but of course they were all on my bench this week. So, uh, rough week, but uh, you know, going to have some of those. Uh, there's also a lot of news to get to this week, and I'm excited to be discussing it with our guest today. Joining us on the show is Tyler Beaker. Tyler is a fantasy football analyst for Pro Football Focus. You can follow him on Twitter at Tyler Beaker. Tyler, thanks for joining us. How's it going?
1: Hey, guys. I appreciate you having me. Uh, week 4 was a pretty good week, I think, if you stuck with the chalk. So I like to do that in cash games where I'm not really worried about ownership. But when it gets, comes to tournaments, that's where I start to deviate from the norm and try to find the outside plays that are 2 to 4% owned that have a chance to skyrocket you up GBP boards. And Chris Carson was that guy for me. Unfortunately, wasn't able to play. was a late scratch. And I did a lot of 2v2 swaps that burned me in tournaments. Uh, so week four was a kind of mixed bag. Good in cash, bad in tournaments.
3: Yeah, tough, tough week from tournaments when all the shock hits the way it did this week. Uh, and also tough when you have a lot of the injuries that happened this week, which I'm hoping to discuss. And the first one, of course, is Rob Gronkowski, who was forced from... Sunday's game against the Dolphins with an ankle injury, and he did not return. Uh, so, Tyler, it's possible Gronkowski reaggravated his lingering ankle issue. Um, assuming he has to miss a few weeks, how do you see the targets being divided in the Patriots' offense?
1: I believe the return of Julian Edelman should lighten the load here, and the pressure on Brady as far as target distribution. Over the past three years, when Edelman's played and Gronk has been out, Edelman's targets have spiked from 8.1 to 11.9. Chris Hogan is the one particular player that I'm starting to get a little bit worried about. Some of my friends in casual leagues, they've seen him on waiver wires with some over-anxious owners. Um... I don't think Chris Hogan warrants dropping in any league whatsoever. And despite his one target today, he's a massive buy low after seeing what he was capable of producing last year. I think he was the fantasy wide receiver five through the first five weeks entering 2017. And he has that type of ceiling again. I think he's a great buy low. Um, but as far as like the targets overall being distrib- distributed, uh, I think a lot of them are going to go right to Edelman. Uh, we're going to see him take over those interme- intermediate targets like Gronk is vacating Um, This offense was in a perfect get-right spot this week against the Miami Dolphins, and that's exactly what they did. Brady threw the ball around the field. He exploited mismatches. He threw to whatever receiver was open. didn't really matter. So I think we're going to see that going forward, where Edelman should be the primary beneficiary of the targets, but we could expect a spread-it-out kind of style among Brady with the other targets.
2: Yeah, I actually kind of appreciate that you mentioned that, uh, you know, Brady was able to take advantage of those mismatches. Uh, do you think Michelle plus White is kind of like a a, a mismatch as well, just in terms of what they do? Uh, you know, it's a very concentrated running back uh, group now. This isn't the spread out uh, New England backfield that we're kind of used to having that headache of who to start. So what are your thoughts on that one?
1: As far as like from an ownership perspective, when trying to play in DFS, I love it. I mean, you only have two players to pick from. You go for Sony Michelle in games that should, they should have positive game script, like this one, and then you target White in games where they could have some competition. Uh, White had a great game this week as well, where he was able to get into the end zone. But I really like the idea of Sony going forward. I uh, used a great play this week at just 4,500 on DK. Uh,
3: so assuming that Gronk maybe doesn't have to miss as much time. Um, are there receivers that you think will see their target, you know, lose a lot of targets when Edelman comes back? Uh, who are you, who on this offense are you kind of avoiding now that Edelman's back, assuming Gronk is mostly healthy?
1: Honestly, the only guys I was targeting to begin the year were Gronk and White. Now it's going to be adding Sonny Michelle to that. Uh, I still think the addition of Josh Gordon, the addition of Julian Edelman, Uh, We're going to see these targets being spread around quite a bit. Edelman will be the top receiver as far as target distribution. And I think if you can buy low on him now before he actually comes back, I think that would be a great idea.
3: Do you think uh, two targets is what we should expect for Josh Gordon going forward, or is this kind of a weird game with him getting a lot of Xavier Howard on the outside?
1: Yeah, I'm letting other people play that game with Josh Gordon. He's just not somebody that I've ever rostered or tried to own in any league, redraft or dynasty, just because it seems like such a headache, to be frank. Um, he's just not a player that I typically target because at any moment he could be gone, he could be on a new team. It's honestly just a bunch of question marks for me there with regarding Gordon.
3: Yeah, I'm definitely guilty of, uh, <laughs> well, uh, re, you know, holding out hope that he's going to kind of pay off uh, all these years of waiting, but uh, you might be right.
2: ESPN's Adam Schefter reports Tyler Eifert suffered a broken ankle in Week 4 against the Falcons. Unfortunately, his injury looked terrible. Uh, Tyler, with Eifert done for the season, are either Tyler Croft or CJ Ozoma stash candidates in your opinion, and are there any players who are most likely to benefit in Eifert's absence?
1: So I'm a very big proponent of either securing a top-shelf tight end or simply streaming the position by targeting tight ends in what Vegas projects to be high-scoring games. So like if a low-end tight end isn't seeing reliable targets, you need to adjust and target those that are in potential shootouts, uh, addressing your waiver wire and trying to find guys that are in high-scoring games for that particular week. Uh, I have no problem streaming week by week and just targeting guys that I think I have a chance at scoring touchdowns. Uh, I did a study this offseason on top 12 tight ends, and if your tight end reached the end zone that week, there's a very high probability that they finish as a top 12 performer. As far as the Bengals specifically, we've already seen how these guys perform in Eifert's absence. I'm not really interested in either one of these Bengals guys. They're low-quality streaming options, and they're the guys that I just referenced that aren't really players I'd be trying to make a priority next week given that you can't really bank on them having consistent targets week to week. And it's not really a particularly good matchup coming week five with them against Miami, in which should be a mediocre scoring game. Uh, To address the replacement question, Eifert's 10.6 average depth of target makes this an interesting question as far as who could see those targets in lieu of him. That 10.6 ADOT was top 10 in the league, and I'd expect those numbers to translate to an already ascending Tyler Boyd. He's currently having a phenomenal year so far, ranking top 12 among all wide receivers in our yards-per-route run statistic. That's a stat that's proven to have high correlation week-to-week week with fantasy performance, and his 8-out is right around Eifert's 10.6. With Eifert out of the question, I believe we continue to see Boyd as a fantastic slot-receiving option for Dalton the remainder of the season.
3: Yeah, I love that call on Boyd. I mean, obviously, he was huge today, 15 targets, and you know a lot of those targets came... Late in the on the final drive when you know the uh, Cincinnati was facing a fourth down and had to convert. So it's really uh, as someone who was a huge fan of Boyd coming out of college, it's really nice to see him kind of you know earn Dalton's trust finally. Um, last season when Eifert was out, obviously we saw Croft have some useful fantasy games, and as I recall, they were even somewhat predictable, uh, you know, in terms of when when he might be usable. So uh, I'm definitely probably looking to him to maybe pick up some slack if you need a really cheap tight end or a streaming tight end and it looks like a good matchup. Uh, he's someone who is interesting only for that reason. But, you know, other than that, I definitely think it's it can be beneficial when these situations kind of... Uh, when the uh, targets sort of, you know, center around just a couple players in a passing game for, uh, you know, sit-start decisions and uh, DFS lineup. so I'm really excited for, especially for Boyd going forward. But Green probably gets a bump too.
2: Yeah, and I'm also a huge proponent of Boyd here. Actually, one of my first and earliest uh, of his articles was a Dynasty by-low for Tyler Boyd uh, last year. So that was that was great. Um, I bought him in a bunch of spots, and then uh, I had to just sort of hang on to him for a, for a year. But guess what? Patience is ultimately rewarded. That's right.
3: Yeah, speaking of tough start-sit decisions, one tool you can use to help make those decisions is FantasyMath.com. If you need to make a choice between two players, a really close call, you can put your matchup into Fantasy Math, let it help with those big calls. A player's variability, whether you're the favorite, correlations across matchups, Fantasy Math takes it all into account to help make the right lineup call, and it's matchup specific. And right now, Rotoviz listeners get a season membership for just $20 by using the link rotoviz.fantasymath.com. Don't miss out. That's rotoviz.fantasymath.com. Uh, also, a quick reminder that you can support the Rotoviz Radio Network and our 10 shows per week on Patreon by doing so, you'll gain exclusive access to Rotoviz Live, our weekly Sunday morning video show answering all your fantasy questions. Patronships start at just $6 a month and provide exclusive access to Rotoviz Live. That's four shows per month on top of 40 podcasts for just $6. Become a Rotoviz Radio patron today to join an exclusive community of listeners, access premium content and do your part in helping the network to grow and continue to produce high-quality, industry-leading programming.
2: Speaking of those exclusives, as a loyal podcast listener, you can now get 30% off your Rotoviz NFL Pass. It is available through the NFL Podcast homepage, rotovis.com slash podcast. Gain unlimited access to all of our NFL content and tools. You can get amazing value. You help support the podcast network, and you get to use some of the amazing apps that we've got. That's rotovis.com slash podcast.
3: All right, now let's get into No Shit, Shit, No. First item up, Jameis Winston replaced Ryan Fitzpatrick to start the third quarter. Uh, no
1: shit. Never believe there's a real chance here for FitzMoney to actually take over the starting gig when they come back in week five after the bye. The Bucks have been a top-shelf first-round pick on Winston, and they're going to go back to him.
2: Jordan Howard rushed 11 times for 25 yards in the Bears' week 4 victory over the Bucks, whereas Tariq Cohen rushed 13 times for 53 yards and caught 7 of 8 targets for 121 yards and a touchdown.
1: Shit, no. Cohen seeing more carries than Howard is a complete anomaly to me. This is a game I'm gonna eager to go back and rewatch tomorrow. If anything, I'm going to use this opportunity to try and buy Howard in any half PPR
3: leagues. That's a really interesting take. I mean, I'm also eager to. See this game and see exactly, uh, you know, what happened to make Cohen actually out carry Howard. I mean, this is something that uh, I've kind of been hoping for just as a huge Cohen fan and not much of a Howard fan, but yeah, definitely surprising to see it actually happen. Although I'm really excited not only to see Cohen get a lot more work, but to see if this offense can keep clicking the way it seemed to today.
1: Yeah, it's an interesting one. Definitely think that Cohen's a guy that we want to monitor going forward. But like I said, uh, him seeing more carries than Howard just makes no sense, especially considering the game script and how far up they were. Uh, I just think it's an odd week of the NFL where anything could happen and uh, one where we could take advantage of it by trying to buy Howard if uh, anyone's looking to sell.
3: Josh Allen completed 16 of 33 passes for 151 yards, zero touchdowns, and two interceptions in the Bills' 22-0 week four loss to the Packers, also losing a fumble and taking seven sacks.
1: No shit. He's Josh Allen, a woefully inaccurate quarterback in college, translates to a woefully inaccurate quarterback in the pros. Not surprised here. Uh,
3: Are you buying this Packers defense finally, or is it just the effect of facing Josh Allen?
1: I'm buying that the Buffalo offensive line is a train wreck, and we should be streaming DSTs against them all
3: year.
2: Josh Rosen completed 15 of 27 passes for 180 yards and a touchdown in Sunday's week four loss to the Seahawks.
1: Uh, No shit. He's a rookie in his first start. Better days are ahead.
3: Melvin Gordon rushed 15 times for 104 yards and also added seven receptions for 55 yards and a touchdown in the Chargers' week for win over the 49ers.
1: No shit. This is exactly why he was one of my top RBs entering the year and a slam dunk first-round pick in redraft leagues. The guy rushes and receives the ball uh, much more than most people give him credit for, and he's a slam dunk fantasy asset.
2: Yeah, I've been just really high on Melvin Gordon in my dynasty ranks, my redraft ranks, uh... I have jokingly referred to him as the Chargers' wide receiver, too. I really think he is the Chargers' wide receiver, too, if you're going by target distribution.
3: So we saw both Gordon and Eckler kind of have good games today, and we've definitely seen it happen like at least three of the last four weeks. Do you think it's possible to start them both in the same lineup, for most weeks going forward, or is this not going to continue?
1: Yeah, I could definitely see a scenario where you want to start them both, and it probably was this one here against a terrible 49ers defense, where they could see both rushing and receiving work. Uh, the 49ers entering this game allowed the fourth-most receptions to pass-catching backs, so I think it's a great spot for Gordon and Eckler to both get plenty of volume and ice a game away, where they were. I think they were double-digit point-home favorites by the time this game closed.
2: Ezekiel Elliott exploded for 152 yards and 25 carries while also contributing four catches for a team-high 88 yards and a touchdown in Dallas' Week 4 win over the Lions.
1: No shit on the touches. It's exactly what we expect out of an offense that doesn't have any other weapons aside from Zeke. The receiving work is a nice bonus for him, and hopefully it's here to stay. 88 yards isn't something we can expect week in and week out, but four or so catches, maybe four to five targets, I think that's a realistic uh, projection going forward.
3: Kenyon Drake rushed three times for three yards in the Dolphins' Week 4 loss to the Patriots, adding a 13-yard reception.
1: No shit. He's in a timeshare on a terrible offense. That is only 3-1 and one because they faced a laughable opening schedule. I'm fading all these Miami rushers.
3: Uh, now, Frank Gore got uh, 11 carries. He wasn't much better, although he did catch a touchdown uh, pass. Do you think he is well you know you said you weren't touching any of these miami guys but uh is this a trend that we should continue with uh gore getting the bulk of the work
1: uh, i don't know about bulk of the work but it definitely looks like Kenyon drake is trending down uh i'd be very terrified if i owned him in any dynasty leagues especially with this offense not looking like it's going to make any adjustments here i think gore's here to stay until uh the end of the season the end of time yeah pretty much <laughs> the guy does not age
2: yeah, I uh, I always thought Frank Gore receiving touchdown was like one of the signs of the apocalypse. <laughs> Alshon Jeffrey hauled in eight of nine targets for 105 yards and a touchdown in the Eagles' week four loss to the Titans.
1: Uh, no shit. Cornerback Malcolm Butler has been terrible all season. I think he's allowed the most touchdowns to begin the year and is definitely someone we should target in DFS moving forward.
2: All right, really quick uh, for DFS. Would you rather target Sharice Wright or Malcolm
1: Butler? Uh, Malcolm Butler, just because I want the touchdowns. And that's honestly what helps you win tournaments, finding guys that have chances at scoring multiple touchdowns.
3: Calvin Ridley hauled in four of six targets for 54 yards and two touchdowns in the Falcons' week four loss to the Bengals. No shit.
1: Ridley's now scored six touchdowns in the last three games, currently leads the league in touchdowns. I'm ready for the battle between the dynasty Ridley truthers and the never Julio backers. Uh, I've got tweets ready to go on the Julio side, and I say bring it on.
3: Uh, where does Ridley now rank in like your rookie wide receiver rankings?
1: I haven't adjusted those in a while, but he's definitely climbed from where he was. I was not very high on him coming in. I didn't have much intrigue in a polished receiver that I thought would be third. At best, on the pecking order, but he's climbed uh, the target pole faster than I thought he would. He's now seeing more targets than Sanu. Um, he's definitely not somebody to avoid. I uh, definitely want to pay attention to them moving forward, and especially in a good matchup where, like they had here against the uh, Bengals, a potential shootout. You definitely want to pay attention to all these ancillary pieces on this Atlanta offense.
2: My only hope here with Ridley is that his price continues to climb and keeps Julio's kind of depressed-ish. Like, he can still be in that relatively elite, you know, where you're still paying a lot for a wide receiver. But like you said, like, on the right week with the right game script, you know Julio's going to be that contrarian play just because he doesn't catch touchdowns, right? And, like, you got the never Julio guys who are, like, he doesn't catch touchdowns. And it's going to happen one of these weeks where he's going to convert, and that'll be it. <laughs>
3: I mean, the funny thing about this narrative is that Julio had, what, 173 yards today and nine catches? So he actually outscored Ridley, I think, even without catching a touchdown. But, yeah, just uh, the, it's so strong now that every time he doesn't catch a touchdown, it's almost like he had a bad game.
1: Yeah, it's hard to be sad with 29.7 fantasy points right. on DK, Right. <laughs> or 29.3, yeah.
2: Eli Manning completed 31 of 41 passes for 255 yards and a touchdown in the Giants' week four loss to the Saints.
1: So this is a tough one. I'm going to go with no shit, just because anyone that tried to use an obvious chalk spot for Eli, should they be surprised that Eli let them down? I mean, we've seen (laughs) what this guy does year after year. Um, It should have been a slam dunk spot for him here. The uh, the, uh, Saints pass defense is a complete funnel where you throw on them, you don't run on them, and... I don't know how Eli had such a disappointing uh, performance as far as touchdowns. I thought he for sure had three touchdowns in the bag.
3: Cameron Meredith caught three of four targets for 32 yards in the Saints' week four win over the Giants. I'm going to go
1: with shit no on this one. Prior to this game, Meredith had only run 25 routes. Four targets isn't something I really want to chase until he starts seeing more volume and time on the field consistently.
2: David Johnson rushed 21 times for 71 yards and a touchdown while catching three or four targets for 41 yards in Sunday's week four loss to the Seahawks.
1: Uh, No shit. Josh Rosen may not have gotten much done vertically through the air. Uh, I mean, a lot of it was due to drop passes. The guy couldn't catch a break with his receivers and tight ends. But the Cardinals offense did do one thing right in returning to David Johnson this week. I'm hoping that they continue to bring Rosen along slowly and continue to lean on DJ and let him run some more routes out of the backfield.
3: Doug Baldwin caught five of seven passes for 41 yards in Sunday's week four win over the Cardinals.
1: Uh, no shit. I think a healthy Baldwin means we'll see a lot more volume. This is just the beginning.
2: Kiki Kuti caught 11 of 15 targets for 109 yards in the Texans' week four win over the Colts. Uh,
1: shit, no. It's not someone that you can rely on consistently. 11 of 15 targets is great, but, I mean, did anybody start QT outside of some desperate... Indy, Houston, GameStacks, and DFS, I don't think anyone would have started him at all in any kind of redraft or dynasty leagues. Um, until he sees more targets and routes run, I'm fading him as well.
3: Hassan, did you start him?
2: I wish. Uh, <laughs> I mean, I'm, 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 I'm like a, the resident Rotovis Kiki QT truther. Uh, I've been on this uh, kid just for a really long time. He was Mahomes' number one wide receiver back in the season where uh, as a sophomore and him and Mahomes just went nuts. So it, it was kind of cool seeing him, but I'm of the belief that QT benefited because Will Fuller left the game with a hamstring issue. And QT has not been healthy this entire season. He's going be, to benefit because Bruce Ellington, the other slot guys on IR, but he saw this ludicrous amount of volume if only because Will Fuller saw five targets, injured his hamstring, and left the game. There was no way he was going to get see this volume had Will Fuller remained healthy.
1: Yeah, I agree 100% on that.
3: Philip Dorsett caught four of seven targets for 55 yards and a touchdown in the Patriots' week four win over the Dolphins.
1: Uh, I'm going to go with no shit. Uh, So Dorsett's a guy that a lot of us faded early and uh, were burned after spending a first-round pick on him in fantasy and dynasty leagues. Uh, But he's finally coming around. He will still have inconsistent weeks, but every now and then he'll pop up like this, 55 yards and a score, just to remind you that he still exists. (laughs)
2: Yeah, and as you mentioned earlier, with uh, our old friend Julian Edelman coming back, that target share is just going to be divvied up. It's going to be tough to see him command, you know, more than these seven targets. Probably four to five would be more of my expectation, depending on how the game goes. But, you know, consistently seeing closer double-digit targets is just not in this range of outcomes. Geronimo Allison caught six of 11 targets for 80 yards in the Packers' week four win over the Bills.
1: Shit, no. Randall Cobb being out in this game led to the uptick in targets. Uh, is definitely still a guy who's someone you don't want to overlook, but we're going to have to play it by matchup. I uh, really liked his matchup here in the Bills on the outside, while Devontae uh, Adams had Trey White, Geronimo Allison had the much softer coverage. So he was a great D- DFS play this week. But as long as Cobb's still in the mix, he's not someone you can rely on week to week.
2: Yeah, and I was going to ask you a little bit about that because, uh, you know, it's not a good thing when a receiver, especially one with a poor injury history as Cobb, um, immediately winds up on the injury report, like the week, you know, like a handful of days before they're supposed to go into game time. Uh, If Cobb misses extended time, are there any other receivers after Adams and Allison who you could see emerging, like a Marquez Valdez-Cantling or... Uh, you know, uh, Jamon Moore or Equinamia St. Brown or not really
1: uh, I think it's still kind of early for that um, if you want to try to look at who might see the most run um, honestly it could be any of them so it's a, it's a real shot in the dark I wouldn't try to spend any kind of waiver pickups trying to get one hoping that uh, Randall Cobb returns in the next week and it's not a lingering issue
3: Valdez Scantling had three targets today, I think. Uh, so I'd be interested to know just you know how much he was on the field actually, how many routes he ran. But uh, he's someone who, just from a, an athletic standpoint, is really intriguing uh, if he can actually get on the field. Not saying you should pick him up unless you're in like the deepest league, but
2: I mean Ty Montgomery also saw a good amount of run as well.
3: I was about to ask, did anyone else think Timo might be a good play this week with Cobb out, or was I the only one?
2: I played him in one tournament lineup.
3: Well, it wasn't a good play.
2: No, it was terrible. Just a disaster all around.
3: All right, speaking of Green Bay running backs, Aaron Jones rushed 11 times for 65 yards and a touchdown in the Packers' week four win over the Bills, adding a 17-yard reception.
1: Uh, No shit, I mean... This is the guy that we want to lead the backfield in touches, and he did a great job with it, getting 11 carries for 65 and a score. Unfortunately, it's going to be based on the opponents, given this whole timeshare. We saw the, uh, Mike McCarthy say that they're going to have a full-blown committee here, and it's just going to be very frustrating week to week, trying to figure out which guy it is. But in games where you project the Packers to blow out in a lead, I'm going to go with Aaron Jones.
2: Marcus Mariota completed 30 of 43 passes for 344 yards, two TDs, and an interception in the Titans' week four win over the Eagles.
1: Uh, no shit, Mariota is back, and I was very surprised by this. Uh, I was watching this game the whole time and did not expect Mariota's noodle arm to look anything like that. Uh, he started the game off with a huge throw to uh, Corey Davis down the field that was just out of Davis's reach. Um, and from there, I was just immediately shocked that Mariota's back. His arm isn't as um, injured and banged up as we had been led to believe. I think he's here to stay.
2: Man, that's really exciting. Did you play him by any chance in any tournament lineup?
1: No, zero. Uh, Just some two QB
3: leagues where I I had him. Amari Cooper caught eight of 12 targets for 128 yards and a touchdown in the Raiders' week four win over the Browns.
1: Uh, No shit. I mean, we've seen this routine from Amari Cooper before. He's either great or he's terrible. Um, You just have to ride the waves.
2: Baker Mayfield completed 21 of 41 passes for 295 yards, two TDs, and two interceptions in the Browns' week four loss to Oakland.
1: Uh, No shit. Baker Mayfield was one of PFF's highest graded quarterbacks coming out this year. Uh, led Led college football in a ton of different accuracy categories, and I think he's... Gonna translate really well into the NFL. Two ninety-five and two touchdowns looks about the norm for him moving forward. Uh,
3: who do you think benefits the most from the shift to Baker Mayfield in this offense? I mean, we kind of got a glimpse of the way they would work today, but uh, you know, it's just one game. So I'm wondering if you have any any thoughts going forward
1: as far as how the targets would be distributed.
3: Yeah, or as far as who, what receivers might uh, see a, a boost from the switch to Mayfield. You know, okay. is, is there anyone you're targeting in this offense more than you were before? Yeah, definitely
1: Jarvis Landry. He's definitely climbed up. So the reason why I mentioned Mayfield's accuracy is because I think he can hit every level, but he was extremely great in the short to intermediate area, which is where Landry runs most of his routes. Over the last two weeks, Landry's got 34 targets. I think a lot of those... Um, are bankable targets that we can expect week to week. Um, he's the guy that I would prioritize, and unfortunately we're seeing his price rise on DFS sites. Because I, I say unfortunately because I think he's going to be such a slam-dunk play moving forward, um, but we're going to have to start to pay the iron price for it.
2: Yeah, I agree. I he, I paid up for him on both DK and FanDuel in a handful of uh, lineups and it's it was it was pretty up there. Uh, I kind of shocking for a guy who's going up with a rookie quarterback, but hey.
3: Jared Cook caught 8 of 13 targets for 110 yards and two touchdowns in the Raiders week 4 win over Cleveland. Uh, no
1: shit, the Browns were a tight end funnel defense last year, and it looks like they still have some room to improve there, as long as they continue to keep their safety 30 yards off the line of scrimmage and allow things underneath.
2: Leonard Fournette left week four against the Jets with a hamstring injury and did not return.
1: Uh, no shit, he's had lower body injuries dating back to LSU, and they continue to be a concern in the pros. Basically, the way you want to play it is whenever he's in, you just want to play Fournette. When he's out, the passing offense becomes a viable option.
2: Want an unfair advantage to dominate your fantasy football league? Well, look no further and download SquadQL, the only mobile app you need to crush your friends and rivals this year. SquadQL recommends the best starting lineup for you each week based on your starters, bench players, and free agent pool. You may ask, how does SquadQL actually do this? The app connects directly with your Yahoo, ESPN, and CBS leagues, pulling in your actual roster and your league scoring system. SquadQL provides waiver and trade recommendations, plus the app gives you player rankings each week, and it's all based on your league settings. SquadQL truly is your go-to app this fantasy football season. Head to squadql.com to download SquadQL, your all-in-one fantasy football manager. SquadQL is brought to you by the creators of RotoQL, the leading daily fantasy lineup optimizer trusted by 100,000 DFS players. You can also download RotoQL for free for both Apple and Android.
3: All right, moving on to news item. <clears throat> news item number three: Andrew Luck completed 40 of 62 passes for 464 yards and four touchdowns in the Colts' 37-34 Week Four loss to the Texans. Tyler, there was a lot of concern about Andrew Luck's arm heading into this week, but the 62 attempts and 464 yards are both new career highs for Luck. So do you have any concerns about his arm strength going forward?
1: I think it was certainly a positive sign. Yeah, I mean, like, look, so we knew coming into the year that Luck was still a work in progress. After averaging 5.6 average depth of target the first three weeks of the season, he blew it up this week with 9.1 yards. The combination of him pushing the ball further downfield and and the 62 attempt volume makes me think that as the season further progresses, that this will eventually be a thing of the past. Like, would we even be talking about this segment if Jacoby Brissett hadn't come in for that arm punt last week? Uh, I think if we continue to see this kind of improvement with Lux arm, that by the Colts week nine by, uh, I don't think anyone will be second guessing the, um, the rehab of his arm and his health. Yeah,
2: I'm kind of with you on that. Uh, I think, Luck, as you mentioned, is definitely going to be a work in progress. Uh, Out of curiosity, did you play him in any tournament lineups? I had one lineup with Andrew Luck, but uh, anti Y. Hilton as a stack, and I completely blew the rest of my contrarian picks. So that was a very bad lineup. So I was just curious if you had any better luck on that front.
1: I didn't have any luck, but it was definitely a game that you wanted to target. Both games or both teams here play up in pace. Both teams are pass funnel defenses, and it kind of played out exactly like that. We saw both these guys throw all over the yard. I had a lot of Deshaun Watson and Will Fuller. Will Fuller bit me quite a bit, but um, some a little bit of nuke ended up making that a little bit better for me.
3: Uh, so I think it's probably not only the brissette. Coming in to throw that Hail Mary that has people questioning Luck's arm strength, of course. I mean, his A dot is way down this year from where it has been in uh, previous seasons. Hilton especially has seen this. Like, I think in past seasons, his A dot has been around, I don't know, 13 yards or something. This year, it's more like eight, although today, I think it was much higher. But, uh, you know, there seems to be sort of a trend this season of just. Luck not even attempting throws far down the field. Maybe that was reversed today. Is that any sort of concern for you, what we've seen over the last three weeks, in terms of his dot.
1: Uh, I mean, like I said, I think it's going to be a work in progress, and as he gets more healthy throughout the year, gets that strength back, we'll continue to see him push it further down the field. Until then, Eric Ebron remains a very strong fantasy candidate, as long as Jack Doyle's out. He's his number one receiver underneath um, Another guy that I think's a little bit under the radar, probably not anymore, is Naheem Hines. Two touchdowns this game. Another guy that Luck definitely loves to check down to. Um, but until we start to see him consistently move the ball downfield, I think those are the guys that I'd rather target than trying to hope T.Y. Hilton takes like a five-yard slant to the house.
2: Man, I love Naheem Hines. I have him in a bunch of uh, leagues and uh, redraft and dynasty, and uh, he's going off on my bench, so... This is great. Mitchell Trubisky completed 19 of 26 passes for 354 yards and six touchdowns in the Bears' week four win over the Buccaneers. He also led the team with 53 rushing yards. Uh, Tyler, what are your thoughts about Trubisky's breakout performance here? And uh, do you think that, you know, Taylor Gabriel is an actual viable flex candidate going forward given the amount of volume that he's seen?
1: Many had Trubisky projected to take the next step forward in his fantasy career this year, but I think the guy lacks much consistency. He had two touchdowns prior to this week, so he wasn't really a, a, vi- a viable fantasy option that many were looking toward. Uh, he had fantastic accuracy, but I mean that's not really you don't get points for that. I think he's going to continue to be a matchup-dependent quarterback that we can target against soft secondaries. I uh, like the Bucks were this week. As far as Taylor Gabriel, I like him in weeks where Anthony Miller's out. Uh, I really like that Mm -hmm. slot receiver role here, and I think it could be one that might flourish throughout the year, no matter which receiver is in there. Um, As far as Gabriel specifically, he was an air yards by-low candidate by Josh Hermesmeyer this past week, Uh, but I just have more doubts that Trubisky Mm -hmm. can consistently target him and Gabriel gets enough targets to warrant any kind of uh, weekly fantasy Um, performance, Uh, and maybe in deep leagues if you really need them as an option.
3: So the guy in this offense I'm really interested in is Tariq Cohen, who uh, today I think had as many targets as he has had the previous three weeks and about, I don't know, 12 times as many air yards as he's had. Uh, Is he someone we should expect this sort of performance from going forward? I mean, I know we discussed him a bit in the no shit segment, but and kind of get get deeper into it. Uh, are you buying him?
1: Well, I definitely buy that they want to use him more. Uh, Mark Helfrich, the new OC, has definitely shown a propensity to use him out of the backfield, and I think that's here to stay. Uh, he was a former offensive coordinator for the Chiefs, um, working with Matt Nagy, and I think we're going to see that kind of uh, heavy running back usage out of the backfield become a norm here for the Bears.
2: The thing that's actually kind of interesting to note is that a lot of the usage for these auxiliary slash ancillary guys came at the expense of Allen Robinson. Uh, He only saw four targets. He uh, had two catches, 23 yards, and a touchdown. If it weren't for that touchdown, we'd be much more concerned about A-Rob than we are, I think. Uh, It's covering up a few things. Uh, You know, a handful of weeks What two weeks ago against Seattle, A-Rob had that massive target share. And in the last two weeks... uh, Trubisky's absolutely gone away from him uh, to Taylor Gabriel. Uh, Is that a concern, or is it just more so kind of a matter of, you know, Trubisky's more matchup-dependent slash streaky uh, as a a, uh, quarterback?
1: Man, I I don't know how to dissect this game. It makes no sense to me how the guy throws 26 times and only four of those targets go to A-Rob, yet he finishes with six touchdowns. Uh, He was just hyper-efficient. I think we can just chalk this game up as an anomaly, not one where we can expect week after week. Um, Prior to that, A-Rob was seeing pretty good volume, and he was a consistent fantasy option. I think he'll return to that. Um, But it will probably be at the expense of Tariq Cohen. I don't think we can bank on eight targets every week for him.
3: All right, that'll do it for this edition of the Fantasy Football Report. Special thanks to our guest, Tyler Beaker. Be sure to follow him on Twitter, at Tyler Beaker. Please remember to rate and review the Road of Viz Radio channel on iTunes and subscribe to our Patreon. For Hassan Rahim, I'm Blair Andrews. Thanks for listening.
2: Thank you for listening to the Fantasy Football Report. Please rate and review the Road of Viz Radio podcast on iTunes or your favorite podcast app. Contact us via email at rotavizradio at gmail.com and follow us on Twitter at rotovizradio. And remember you can always support the pod by subscribing to Rotoviz at a 30% discount through the Rhodeviz Podcast homepage, rotoviz.com podcast.
0: They call you the grill master.